Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Wow, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? We're in Luke chapter 24. We've been on an earth walk, looking at the life of Jesus. In particular, we've been focusing on the last few chapters of, of in this section of our earth walk of God, Luke's gospel, looking at the sacrifice of Jesus. We've, so in chapter 23, we looked at it last week. We saw that he died and he was buried. Now we get to chapter 24, and we're going to see something amazing today and the amazing things that happened that Luke, the writer of this gospel, records for us. And so what we're going to see today is is that we're going to see that Jesus is not dead, but rather he is alive, and the significance of that for you and I. Now, here's what I want you to understand. As we look at this, because most of us here, we all know the story. We all know how it ends. We all know that Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, so, But I want you to, for a moment, as we look at, read this gospel, I don't want you to look at it from the perspective of what you already know. I want you to look at it from the perspective of the women who went to the tomb. Because they don't know that he's alive. The thing that's on their mind as they're going to the tomb that morning is, is that the one that they have followed for three and a half years, the one whom they love, has been savagely beaten, savagely nailed to a cross, crucified, he's dead, they had to hastily bury him because they because the Sabbath was approaching. And again, just so you understand, they had laws. You're like, we understand curfews. Well, they had a curfew. It was a Sabbath curfew. And as soon as darkness hit, they weren't allowed for 24 hours to do any kind of work. So they had to hurry up, get him buried. And they had to wait for the Sabbath to be over for the first opportunity to be able to go back to the tomb and finish the burial process, which is, so they've been grieving, and the grieving process has been dragged out for them. So here they come to the tomb, and it's not a normal morning for them. It's not a normal morning. So look with me. Let's read it together. We're just going to focus on the first 12 verses of what happens. Look with me at Luke 24. Look at what Luke writes. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found a stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, 
and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told these things to the eleven and to the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostle. And their words seemed to be like idle tales. And they did not believe them. But Peter arose and went to the tomb. Stooping down, he saw the linen's cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this section of Scripture here, and as we look at what happened on that not-so-normal morning, we're basically going to divide this section into three parts. We're going to see, first of all, the tomb. We're going to see the angels. And then we're going to receive the report that they make back to the apostles who are gathered in Jerusalem. So let's talk about the tomb. First thing Luke points out to us is that at the, they went to the tomb at the first possible moment. They went to the tomb at the first possible moment. So remember what I told you. They had to hastily bury them. And so in that day, you have to understand, there was a ritual by which everyone there in their culture prepared the body. Well, they had to rush through that. They didn't get to complete it. They, they had to anoint the body with certain spices and so forth. And so it had to stop because of the Sabbath. So when the Sabbath ends on the Saturday night, well, they can't go out at night. So they got to wait for the first possible morning, the crack of dawn on the Sunday, which Luke tells us is the first of the week. Sunday's the first of the week. And so at the first possible moment, they gather everything together. The ladies all go, because that was the task of the women in their culture, to prepare the body. So they go and head out to the tomb at the first possible moment. So I'm going to be honest with you. The journey to the tomb isn't a happy one. I think we all can resonate with that, right? All of us here have lost loved ones. The journey for us when we go to funeral homes, it's not something we're happy about. It's not something we're looking forward to. That's not on our list of things that we want to do. So I want you to understand as we see this at the first possible moment, the mentality of these ladies. They're not expecting anything. All they know is, is that the one that they love, the one that they care for, is lying dead in a tomb. Now notice now what Luke then tells us. They found the tomb opened and empty. They found the tomb opened and empty. So they get to the tomb, probably on their mind, the other gospel writers point this out to us, that they were probably thinking, how are we going to roll the stone away? Let me explain to you. In their culture, they didn't have doors on their tombs. More than likely, they had a large stone that would be rolled down into place, and you had to roll it out of place. Usually it's on a slant, so it's a big job to move it. But when they get there, they see that the stone that was covering the tomb is rolled away. So it's amazing. So obviously, that's interesting. Probably they're not thinking anything as it happens. So they, they go in, and as soon as they enter into the, to the tomb, which has never been used before, the first thing they're confronted with is that his body is gone. His body is gone. Now, the text makes it very clear to us 
that they're not thinking he's alive. How do you know that, George? I, I don't see that in the text. How do you know? Because the angels have to say to them, remember what he says. Remember what he said. So probably what's going through their mind is they're talking about Jesus. They're already thinking about the injustice and the humiliation and the brutality and the death that he experienced and how terrible that all has been. Probably every hope you had is gone. You go and you think you're just going to have a normal time of burying him and going through the burial process. And you get there. The tombs rolled away. What's your first thought? They must have taken the body. Somebody, what did you do with him? In fact, if you know the other Gospels, isn't that what Mary, when she was grieved, when she saw Jesus, she thought he was a gardener, she says, where have you taken him? So they find it empty. Then the unusual happens. So this is not happening to be a normal morning here for them, folks. This is not a normal morning. In fact, look at what verse 4 says. And as it happened, they were greatly perplexed. Now, my, my, I use the New King James. My King James, New King James says perplexed. I'm not sure what some of your other versions may use. Well, can we explain to you what perplexed means? To put it in everyday Kermansville vernacular, what we say here in our area, the women were blown away. Wouldn't you be? I mean, it can't get any worse. I mean, you've just seen the guy that you love, that you followed for three years, would do anything for it. The, the one who heals, the one who raised the dead. You've just seen him endure injustice. He's been declared three times innocent by Pilate, but he still ends up going to the cross. And just when you think it couldn't get any worse, you get to the tomb, the, door, the door's open. Well, maybe somebody opened it for you, but you go inside and you realize the body is gone, you'd be blown away too. You'd be perplexed. And that's what's happening here. But then notice, here's the unusual. There are two dudes standing there in shining garments. Huh? Angels angels. And look at what they say. Look with me. Look at what verse 4 through 7 says. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the ground. That's talking about the ladies. If two dudes showed up all shiny and stuff, wouldn't you be afraid too? You better believe it you would be. They're afraid. Their heads are bowed. They said to them, that is the angels said to the ladies, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Here's two things I want you to see. First of all, the angels announced that Jesus is risen. The angels announce he's alive. I mean, think about it. The ladies, they're blown away by the whole side of the body being missing. All of a sudden, there's two dudes. You'd be scared. Their heads are like, what's going on? What's going on? And the angel says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? 
He's not here. He's alive. He's risen. Now, I'll be honest with you. How would you take that? You'd be like, did I wake up this morning? Is this a dream? This is weird. This doesn't normally happen. But there they are, two men in shining clothes saying that, and then here's what they do. To make the point to them, to help them to understand, they refer back to something. Because this would be just, I mean, how many of you see people get up from the dead every day? You and I don't. That's not normal in our lives. To help them to realize what's going on here and to the validity of what they're saying, the two angels refer back to something. And here's the next point I want you to see. They remind the women concerning Jesus' words. They said, don't you remember when you were back in Galilee? Don't you remember when you were following Jesus back in Galilee? Do you remember what Jesus said back in Galilee? He said what? That he was going to be taken and killed by sinful men, and that on the third day he would what? Rise? Didn't Jesus tell you that? And then look at what it says there. Look with me. Verse 8. And they remembered his words. Wow. See, what's going on here? It doesn't just take them saying, oh, he's alive and the body's missing. They remembered what Jesus had said would happen. See, they didn't get it when Jesus was saying it. Remember, the disciples were totally clueless. They were totally out of it. They didn't totally understand when Jesus kept saying, guys, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. They thought, they, they thought he was talking crazy, but he was actually telling them what was going to happen. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. They didn't get it. But now the angels are referring back to Jesus' words so that they understand that what's happened is real. He's alive. He's alive. So guess what they do? They do what anybody else would do. They run back to Jerusalem to tell other people, Hey, you won't believe what I just saw. So look with me. Verse 9 through 12. Then they returned from the tomb and told these things to the eleven and to the rest. Verse 10 tells us who was there. But then look at verse 11. It kind of tells you how they're received. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. Another, the word could also be translated nonsense. And they did not believe. Who's they? The people who were gathered there that were being told the things. Here's what I want you to see what's happening here. First of all, the women's report was taken as nonsense. Here comes these ladies. They're back from the tomb. And everybody's thinking, oh, you, did, you took care of the job. No, we got there. The body was gone. And then there were these two shiny dudes. And they said he's alive. And then they reminded us of what Jesus said. And everybody's there sitting there saying, huh? Think you didn't get enough sleep last night. Think things aren't going good here. And they, they took what the ladies were saying. I mean, they took it as being, you're out of it. This is nonsense. They didn't believe them. It, nothing's changed, has it? How many of you, the last time you shared about Jesus, the guy you were talking to or the gal you were talking to looked at you and said, you're nuts. You're crazy. You believe that? Nobody gets up from the dead. 
But here's the thing. That's normal. When people listen to you share about your Jesus and the fact that he arose from the dead, people are going to think you're what? Crazy. You can't believe that kind of stuff. But here's the interesting thing. Notice who it is that they're talking to. They're talking to the 11. Who's the 11, George? The 11 apostles. Do you understand? Because at first it just seemed so wild, so crazy. Here's the other thing. So what happens then? The women were not believed. It just flat out says they weren't believed. They didn't want to listen. So, listen, don't get freaked out when people don't believe you. Just bottom line. Just don't get freaked out when you try to tell somebody about what God's doing in your life. That's just normal. So here's what we see, though. So you got folks who are just like, oh, man, that's just ridiculous. That's, that's nonsense. They don't believe. But there's another reaction. There's another response. And we see it from the Apostle Peter. Look with me at verse 12. Look at what it is. But, but Peter, interesting word there, but, but Peter arose and ran to the tomb. It's, it's, it's interesting, because you remember, remember, this is the same Peter who said, Jesus, I love you. I would die for you. Same Peter who would deny him. But here he is. He's running to the tomb. Because he's got to see for himself. And that's the point I want you to see. Peter had to see for himself. What's going on here? Some people are like, oh, man, you ladies, you, ladies are, you, you ladies are crazy. You're whacked out. You're nuts. You should have got your coffee before you went. I mean, you're not thinking right. But then there's Peter, and he's like, is it possible? Is it possible? So he had to go. And he had to see for himself. And he went into the tomb. In fact, the other gospel writers tell you that, tell us that the Apostle John went with him. They got to the tomb. John, John's interest, because he's a good Jew, because he knows if you go in a tomb, you're going to be ceremonially unclean. He waits outside of the tomb and looks in. Peter, smack dab, just runs right in. And he sees the linen cloths there, the burial clothes. And he had to think about it. He had to wrestle. Not your normal morning, is it? Because on one hand, you're thinking, it's over. He's dead. Hope seems crushed. Then Sunday comes. And out of the ashes of despair... There's a hope. There's a hope. I, I'm amazed when I read this because I, I look at this and I'm thinking, well, gosh, Jesus, why didn't you just show up immediately? Like, be there when they come in. Like, hey, I was waiting for you. Why, why do all of this? Why, why not be there? Have the ladies go through, even go back and give a true report and people think they're whacked out and crazy. Why? Because you're going to see later next week that he does show up, but it's not right then. Why? 
I think it's to stir up something. Stir up what, George? Remembrance? To remember what he said? And when you stir up the remembrance of what he said, that should stir up the next thing. Hope. Hope in what he said. Hope in who he is. You see what I'm saying? Because some of you here, let's just be honest, because, I mean, let's, life, life's, life's rough, isn't it? Life is tough. Nobody promised us anything. Nobody promised you, I think it was an old country song, no, never promised you a rose garden. God never, nobody promised you that everything was going to be okay, but, but what was given to us through Christ, through Jesus, is hope. And even when the world around you comes crashing down, and it does, doesn't it? And some of you, your worlds have crashed down. God's still there. He's calling you to remember. He's calling you to hope. To hope. You say, okay, George, how, how do we, how do we, how do we wrap this up? How do we take this unusual morning, and and how do we apply it to our lives? Well, I'm going to give you two two thoughts, and I'm going to give you an action point. Okay. Here's the first question. How do you respond to the news of Jesus' resurrection? How do you respond? I mean, the news of the resurrection, that's going to draw some sort of reaction from you. It's either going to draw from you, you might be here and you might be saying, well, okay, yeah, I've heard that before. It's sort of like the story of Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny, George. It's a, it's a good story, but we outgrow that. That might be your reaction. There, there's another reaction, and the other reaction is, well, yeah, I believe it, but it doesn't affect your life. It doesn't change anything. Yeah, I just kind of believe it, like 2 plus 2 equals 4, Jesus rose from the dead. It's all in that part of my brain, but that doesn't affect your everyday life. That's another reaction. But there's a third reaction, which is what I hope for you. The, the third reaction is, yes, you grasp an understanding and a realization that Jesus Christ died, was buried, cruci- crucified and buried, but then he arose on the third day. But that affects every aspect of your life, not just one hour on Sunday morning. You understand what I'm saying? It affects every aspect of your life. When you get up in the morning and you draw another breath, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for forgiveness. Thank you that, I, that even though my life may be falling apart right now, I have a hope. My hope is in you. So how, how, are, you, how are you responding to the news of Jesus' resurrection? And then that brings the next question up, which we've been wrestling with. Where is your reaction driving you? Where is your reaction driving you? Because... Your response, whether it's one of those three, is going to drive you somewhere. It's either going to drive you closer to God, where God has a meaningful relationship with you, 
or it's going to drive you away from God. Did you understand what I'm saying? So if you're one of those folks here who thinks it's just like another Easter Bunny story or another Santa Claus story, uh, you know, that's going to drive you away from God. But if you're here and, and, and you realize the importance of it and, and the importance for your life, that's going to draw you closer to him. In fact, this is what my hope is, is that you're not like those folks who think it's nonsense. Remember, that's what the initial response was to the ladies, was they thought they were nonsense and they didn't believe. But that rather you're going to be like Peter, not just listening to the report, but you're going to go look for yourself. Did you understand what I'm saying? Just don't accept what George is saying to you. You look for yourself. Really, George? Can I? Yes, you can. You can talk to God and say to him, God, I, I believe, but I want to see you real in my life. And if you're sincere, he will. He will. I was, I was just sharing this week with someone, you know. Uh, you know, Lori and I, we had a lot of different things happening in the last month in our life. And I remember one night I was just kind of all worked up in the George way and uh, very anxious about all the different things that was happening. Foster's in the hospital, and I was just really anxious. I had the upcoming trip to Hong Kong, and uh, I was like, how is this all going to work out? And how, Lori, I just don't understand. And, uh, and I was praying, like, and I was saying, God, I'm going to have to give it to you to work all this out. And, you know, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all heart, which surpasses your, all hearts and your, your hearts and your mind, will, excuse me, will... The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I had a peace. And I mean, it blew me away. It wasn't, oh, George, this is how it's going to work out. No, there's no, no, no details at all of what was going to happen. But there was a peace of I'm in control. You trust me. See, the only way you're going to find that for your life is you've got to seek him. Just don't accept what George is saying to you or anybody is saying to you. Look for yourself. Run to the tomb yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Run to the tomb yourself. You may want to write that down. You've got to run to the tomb yourself and see that he's alive. So here's what you got to do. Here's your action point. Decide what you're going to do with Jesus. Decide what you're going to do with Jesus. I mean, your reaction is driving you somewhere, but it's going to drive you to a decision. So you've got to make a decision. And the decision is, is he is who he says he is. I'm going to believe him. I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm going to run to him. Or the decision is, I'm out of here. I mean, this is, this is craziness. I don't believe this. I'm, I'm rejecting it. Even waiting to answer the decision is a decision. Do you understand what I'm saying? So where are you at? What are you going to do with Jesus? He's alive. 
He said he would be alive. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.